Hello and welcome. We are back for season five of the Story X Story podcast, the place where we discuss stories across pop culture and give you advice on creating your own. It's episode 130 and I'm your co-host, Nigel. I am Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And as always, we are bringing you interesting discussions with diverse voices and to help us out with our musical discussion today is the other My Matter co-founder, Lau K. Lau, welcome back. Hey, it's great to be back. Um, it's, uh, yeah, people don't always know, like, there's, a, there's another person um, and he, he pops in and out every so often, but uh, uh, this is the guy, so here he is, he does exist. Mr. Mystery Man. Yeah, is is kind of like that. So, Lau, I mean, you've been uh, here for a number of episodes, and uh, you were last here for episode one hundred and seven, where we talked about video game subscription services. Uh, because Lau apparently has tried them all. So, yeah, yeah, um, it's kind can... of a painful topic right now. Um... Yeah, I mean, I did tell you, uh, rest <laughs> in peace, Stadia. But uh, there you go. I'll put that link in the show notes and another link I will put in the show notes as I introduce Dylan of the Popcorn Podcast. Dylan, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much for having me back. This is uh, super exciting, very exciting discussion we have ahead. Yeah, no, it's good to have you back. And like I said, I'll put a link for you because Dylan was last on the show for episode 124, where we talked about Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Um, oh, you know what? And as I say that, this is like a uh, I'm going to keep this in the podcast, but I was at a session today and then there was a couple of people that did not like the film uh, and mm. I just reminded myself I need to take up issue with them. I'll do that tomorrow. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'll put that link in the show notes so you can check out that discussion. Uh, you can also subscribe to Story X Story wherever you get your podcast from and send us your feedback and questions to feedback at mayamatter.com or throw them at us on social media. We are at mayamatter on Twitter at My Matter TV on Instagram and TikTok, or at Tazzy on everything. And also get ready for the new Studio 77 membership, which is coming in spring. Uh, we are revamping a few things in the My Matter universe. Uh, this is one of them. So the membership is going to give you access to our video content, uh, digital comic content, uh, early access to tickets for My Matter events and more. As for today, you can join the Discord for free. We have the Studio 77 Discord uh, already set up. You can jump in there to be part of the MyMatter universe and meet others in the community, as well as us uh, as well. And we'll have more on the membership in the coming weeks and months. So we're going to uh, drop some information uh, as more things get confirmed. Uh, so before we get to today's story discussions, let's update you with the latest from the MyMatter universe. <music> We're in the new year, so uh, it's all planning, brainstorming, that kind of thing. One of the things that we have on the horizon, we want to do more comic content uh, over the year, short stories, longer stories, uh, and build up more of the characters and storylines. So uh, hold on for more information on that. And in the meantime, you can get all the titles that we have already done from the world's first manga network. You can get those online today from Samurai Chef to our latest series, Through the Fog. So we've got a bunch of all-ages stories set within our shared universe. One of the things that we've been planning for is the Do I Look Like a Gamer campaign, which we launched in 2022 to promote diversity and inclusion in the video games industry. And the response was amazing. It was very positive. 
uh, yeah, it's very uh, good to see people get involved, uh, but the need for more diversity remains. So we have decided to make the campaign a yearly initiative. So we're going to do this each year and we'll be building on the work that we did last year and continuing the push for diversity in both games culture and industry. So that means a new schedule of events and a new photo shoot. So we're going to be taking another snapshot of 40 players and makers to showcase the representation that does exist today uh, as a way to inspire future generations of diverse talent. So you can get involved with that. You can head to the campaign website uh, or check the show notes, uh, looklikeagamer.com. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, you can check that out to see how you can be part of the campaign. So we are, uh, as of recording, taking requests for people to be in the photo shoot. So either you work in games, either you want to work in games, or just enjoy playing games, you can get involved. And uh, stay tuned for news on the campaign launch and events over the year as well. So we're excited to bring that back. Uh, another thing that we're going to be doing uh, over the year is our live streams as part of the Studio 77 platform. So one of those shows that we do is casual conversations with comic creators. So as you listen to this, depending on when you listen to this, if you listen to this within uh, February, you can still catch the VOD of my conversation with Japanese manga artist Chie. She is someone that actually we've, oh wow, I just realized this, we've known her for since the start of the My Matter Universe. In fact, it was Lau who introduced her to us and the brand and everything. So I just remembered that connection. Um, so I'll be talking to TA for our casual conversation live stream, which is an hour one-on-one -on -one talk with a different comic creator. Uh, just to yeah, find out about them, the work they do, the person behind the art form. And another live stream show that we do is our games nights, which is coming back on Thursday, the 23rd of February with Studio 77 members, where we play a different game each month live on Twitch for your entertainment. Entertainment because we are usually bad at it. Well, I'm usually bad. Let me not um, speak for everyone because Taz is actually pretty good uh, on, on a lot of these games. But you can check out that live stream typically at 7 p.m. GMT or BST, depending on what time of the year. And you can also check out past games nights games night highlights on our youtube channel uh, as well uh, so we've got a bunch of things coming for the year we are making some changes to to my matter uh, and hopefully over the coming weeks and months we'll be able to share more particularly in spring uh, and then on so stay tuned there's stuff on the horizon so you're all caught up with the my matter universe now let's talk about some of the stories that we've been enjoying this week <music> Yeah, so now's our chance to have a spoiler-free discussion of which stories everyone has been reading, watching, or playing. Uh, and obviously we've had the uh, Christmas break, so I have naturally watched a ton. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to keep it limited. But we'll uh, start with our guest. So Dylan, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. Well, I can't say that I've been too caught up on a whole bunch of new stories uh recently january is usually like a sort of slow period the start of the year for me but um since it is sort of award season um i've been sort of swimming in all the you know the big uh picks for uh, all the award shows this year so all the like the big oscar films and and whatnot that's sort of been my 
kind of bread and butter this past um this past month or so so like films like babylon and like the fablemans the whale tar all these kind of um really awardsy pictures is what i've been sort of uh catching been catching up on and yeah i really i really want to get started watching the last of us because i've heard nothing but just in- incredible things about the show so far and of course it's based on the game which is phenomenal um so that's something i'm very much looking forward to to, to seeing but aside from yeah so i mean i haven't started any new series recently which is quite i mean doesn't doesn't help the situation but yeah like the the last <laughs> of us is, is, is something that i think i'm going to start really um really really soon but yeah just uh the the, the sort of awardsy films is, is what i've been sort of been focusing on in the past couple of weeks so um so yeah awesome love that now what about you i've been uh playing a few games and um i did have a paramount trial for about a month as well so i was able mm. to catch at least one show until it went away and that show was actually billions i'm not sure if anyone's heard of billions oh yeah uh, it's not that recent i guess anymore um but oh, it was good like, yeah several seasons in um i'm a big fan of succession and i thought oh this looks kind of well in the same sort of vein i'm not sure mm. how they really compare to be honest i feel like succession's quite a different show actually now that i've watched a bit of billions but i really enjoy it and i mean for those that don't know the premise it basically um it follows a um very powerful owner of a um financial company like a trading house and a um i think is he like the district attorney i'm not sure he's some powerful lawyer so basically you've got these two characters doing a lot of cat and mouse and and pissing contests and like power plays and and reversals and plot twists and and that's basically what you can expect from billions without giving away like any specifics it's just a lot of that um and of course like you know just seeing rich people enjoy life and that kind of thing so um so yeah it's it's a really riveting story though and um I, i just like the fact that things can just change on a dime so yeah it's kept me quite interested and you know they they do tell a few individual stories as well which i quite like um like different characters so you you do kind of get into it into their heads and whatnot and you know you start wondering where things are going to go and how it's going to develop um but i haven't actually finished even the first season i got about say 60 percent of the way through but i was enjoying it so that was pretty good as for games i've been playing a game called yoku's island express which uh, I picked up because the kind of theme reminded me of Yoshi's Island. And I thought this was like almost like an indie game that was almost like a nod to Yoshi's Island. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but it's such a fun game. Like, it's really surprised me, like, how fun it is. And I just found out today that it actually got a 10 on Steam. Mm. So pretty good game. But anyway, the premise, you're an ant, and uh, I think you kind of wash up on a tropical island and then there's this ball that's attached to you. And um, it's basically like a pinball game, but also like a bit of a platformy adventure game. So you, you've got all these kind of weird and wacky characters that have issues and, you know, things that need sorted out. And, and you've basically got to go around the island and kind of solve everyone's problems and whatnot. Um, and then all the way, you've got these uh, pinball 
bumpers and flippers and whatnot that bounce you around from place to place. Um, so if you like pinball and you like platformers and that kind of Yoshi's Island sort of theme and the music, then you'll really like this game. Also, it does kind of come off looking like a bit of a kiddie game, but it really does have a skill curve where, you know, if you want to get everything, like if you want to collect everything, you really will have to be quite good. So it's nice like that, you know, you can pretty much progress without too much hassle, uh, but there are some bits that challenge you. So I've really enjoyed it for that. And it's not too long a game. So yeah, those have been a couple of things that I've been into. But there's one more, actually, I just want to give like an honorable mention because I don't have it anymore. <laughs> um, but while Stadia was still around, I had a game called Judgment, which is part of the Yakuza series, but it's a spin-off. Um, and oh, this okay. is a de- murder detective game. And it's uh, it was really cool. Like, you know, you just kind of go up to people, you know, ask them questions. And uh, every so often you get into a fight a street fight or some sort of boss fight and then it goes into sort of a virtual fighter mode so to speak um and the fighting engine is really cool so you know it's just easy to just pick up and button mash or if you want you can get really technical with it uh, and learn the moves and what have you and they also have a sega arcade which is really cool because then you can play old full versions by the way of the old arcade games in the in the arcades that you can walk into and you know, spend your in-game money on. Um, wow, so that's very meta. <laughs> I, it was so crazy because I went into the arcade and I was playing Virtual Fighter and um, there were a bunch of really cool old school games and I was just like wow. there for ages. <laughs> and I was like, wait a second, I've got a game to clock. Yeah. That's like know, in right? um, Uncharted 4, I think you can play Crash Bandicoot. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I really liked it for that. But um, unfortunately, as everyone probably knows, or well, if you're following in the news anyway, uh, Stadia's gone. So I lost that game. I did get refunded, however, so I'll try and pick it up again. <laughs> nice. We know you're probably very upset by the uh, death <laughs> it of really, It hurt me so much. <laughs> <laughs> We've been following your journey with Stadia <laughs> through the podcast. So. so I have a big surprise for Nigel. And in the show notes, I've just written football show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I saw that. I was like... uh... (laughs) So I've been like, I cannot wait to start the new season so that I can tell Nigel that I have been watching a football show. Um... (laughs) Wow. I'm I'm just, just by that, I'm surprised. I'm I'm shocked. (laughs) So I fully binged all three seasons that are currently out. Started it, I was like, let me give it a shot because I've heard a lot of good things. Was reluctant because it's a football show and I'm I'm normally not a big fan of like watching sports shows. It's nothing against sport, but there's it's just a thing with sport. I don't I don't enjoy watching sport. I don't enjoy playing games that are based on sport <laughs> apart from uh, NBA Jam, like the arcade one. Oh That's yeah. Really fun. It's just because when I watch or play video games based on sport, I'm like, why don't I just play the sport? Because that's way more fun. So it's it's just a me thing. Mm. Um, but anyway, so the show I, I binge watched is Ted Lasso. And I want to oh. <laughs> say the show is amazing and everyone should go and watch it. <laughs> like, I hear no good things about this. It is so good. But like, I don't know if it can be called a football show. What's it about? Because I actually don't know... Okay. I just know it's a football show and he's a nice guy. That's about what I know. Great guy. Oh my God. Like, I want a Ted Lasso in my life. Um, 
But basically, the spoiler-free premise is that Ted Lasso has been hired as the new coach for this football team. I've got the football team because the new owner wants to run the club into the ground because uh, basically she now owns the full football club because uh, of her divorce with her ex-husband. And so she purposely wants to run this football club into the ground to uh, sort of like get revenge. I don't know, like, yeah. Okay. Because... Like an like English football club. Yeah, an English football club. Because her ex-husband is like, really like loves the club. Like, it's his life. So right. she's like, well, to get back at you, I'm going to run this in the ground. I'm going to hire an American football coach who <laughs> knows nothing about British football. And... <laughs> like, yeah. And like Ted Lasso is this just amazing guy, and the uh, series kind of follows uh, all the like the players and the different people that are involved with this club, and follows their stories and their journeys um, throughout this. And there's a lot of develop character development and character growth, and like it's very British. I always like I watch a lot of sitcoms, and I really love shows like A New Girl friends those kind of friendship p kind of sitcoms mm. but what i hate about them is that they're always set in the u.s um normally in new york <laughs> and i'm like i want the british version and to me even though it's not quite this has very similar kind of vibes but the british version to me yeah but wow. it's like based around a football club and so there's some very like football themes obviously it's a football yeah. club <laughs> but this is a show that everyone can watch and love like okay. you don't have to be in which football, football club out of interest um so i i don't i don't even know if it's a real football club they play against real football clubs but okay i don't know i'm gonna have to look it up. <laughs> okay we'll we'll fact check that that sounds cool. I can't believe we're here. Tazzy's telling me about a football show that I've not seen. It's AFC Richmond. Oh, okay. That's that's. Uh, if it is a real club, it's, it's too low I'm, in the divisions for me to. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not. I mean, a there real is a football. Richmond place, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not a real football club. Because like when I was watching it, I was like, where? Because it's it's in London, and I'm like, I'm sure this doesn't exist. Especially the places that it's filmed is mm. like they're not they're not actually geographically near each other like not right. as near as it makes it out to be if that makes sense and i'm trying to figure out what um like training ground it's filmed on Ah, uh, okay and i don't know because it looks very familiar familiar but yeah uh so i'm pretty sure it's a fictional football club but they play against real uh, like the cool. rest of the clubs they talk about are real clubs yes i get that and i'm trying to think uh there used to be a show, a football show I watched years and years ago, and they would it was a fictional club, but they'd use footage from real matches, but then like swap for their players, and so there were some matches I recognised. And oh, okay, yeah. yeah, so like, and the divisions are real, like because they get. Yeah. Oh no, that's a spoiler. Um, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna just before I before I. Uh, wow, well, I'm sold. And I'm impressed. Yeah, um, we can end the show right like, here. <laughs> and this is a show that would make me this close to actually watching football again. Saying a lot. 
yeah <laughs> so yeah that is that's the big one that i'm like i need to talk about it on the <laughs> podcast for nigel <laughs> you guys really aren't helping me out my list is already a big enough yeah. and I, and I Ted needs to go to the top of that like okay. seriously <laughs> it, and it's such a good feel good show as well and do you know why as well? it's the character development for me mm. like i'm a big fan of character development and there's a lot of developing happening in this show especially because like they're very stereotypical like football footballer types in here mm. and like very stereotypical like football partners like ah uh, but with this really hot it's so wholesome it's so so wholesome uh, anyway and I had a bit of fo- just one bit of football trivia i don't know if you know tazzy but uh ryan reynolds owns a football club in i heard about this yeah yeah wrexham him uh oh, i've forgotten oh that's bad on me i've forgotten uh yeah his friend's name but yeah ryan reynolds owns a <laughs> owns a real british football club see like all of these things are giving getting me a step closer to watching football again which I haven't done since I was like 12 years old. So <laughs> He has a show as well about that. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he's, uh, I mean, yeah, we love Ryan Reynolds, so. <laughs> <laughs> the whole show, I think it's on, I could be wrong, I think it's on Disney Plus. That's what I think it is on. I feel like it is. We'll, we'll have to check. I feel like I've used up most of my time talking about <laughs> a football show, and I, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to talk about other shows real quick um so also to balance it out i also um watched the rent a girlfriend anime series i really 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 enjoyed it it is not what i expected it is way more wholesome than i expected okay phew (laughs) (laughs) again a lot of character growth (laughs) um uh which is just like a fun romance comedy uh anime and it's about a guy who rents a girlfriend after and isn't great with girls and then it just like spirals into a lot of like lies about this renter girlfriend so he has to keep renting her (laughs) (laughs) and it kind of like just spirals uh because the lies just keep like building up so yeah it's funny <laughs> yeah it's hilarious uh and it's a lot of fun um and i'm looking forward to like the next season and like what characters are introduced and yeah i think it's like it has a, a lot of like very stereotypical like anime things in terms of like the protagonist and then there's like all of these girls that are suddenly interested in them even though they're not good with girls but I like the way they approach it. Mm. But yeah, and then I also watched Severance, which is another one that was highly recommended. Someone recommended it on the podcast. Lovely. Yeah. I got around to watching it and wow, it's good. It is quite dark and like highly fascinating. And no, I would never be Severance. I'm just going to put that out there. (laughs) So for anyone that doesn't know, the premise is that you uh, get your brain undergoes like this surgery uh, and then you it's severed so that when you go to work you have no recollection of your outside of work life while you're in work and then when you leave work you have no recollection of what's happening in work when when you're in your real life and then there's all of these complications to do with that and then it's for like this big corporate company and yeah 
Mm. Big corporate company. I'm just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite intriguing because obviously this company wants to keep something secret. I bet. Yeah. So <laughs> um, it does leave it at the end of the se- season at like such a cliffhanger. So I can't wait for the next one. But yeah, it's a good one. Anyway, I have spoken quite enough. <laughs> I've taken up the most of the segment. Um, so, Nigel, do you want to talk a bit about your story? Yeah. Um, so, I've been I've been reading and watching some stuff. So, I've been reading Saga. So, last year, towards the end of last year, I well, about the middle of last year, I realized that Saga Volume Ten was out. But because it's been so long since reading One to Nine, I reread One to Nine and just recently finished Nine. And yeah. This, this is a good comic. This is I actually forgot a lot of what happens in this and forgot well, I didn't forget how good it is, but just the the why of how good uh, of of how good it is. And it's just it's such an amazing story told through the comic medium and one that even if you're quote unquote not into comics, it's it's just a great story. And it's uh, it's uh, I'm disappointed, Lau. You you took off my fourth suggestion that you talk about Avatar, <laughs> <laughs> the way of the water. Since now, not in uh, this podcast. Yeah. Uh, apparently, we're not talking about it, but I seen it, so I just leave it at that. I saw Avatar. Very impressed with the technology. It's a basic story. It's a very simple story, but I, I was impressed with with the 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 whole. But uh, yeah, I'm going to take Lau's. I don't know if that was a, a poignant thing of deleting it from my suggestion and uh, move on. So, <laughs> also watched the entire series of Cyberpunk Edge Runners. So, I have not played Cyberpunk. It is on that proverbial list of things to play, but I've not played it yet. But I was interested in the show. It's an anime style, art style, and it's about a a kid, David, who is. I guess just trying to survive. So he's in this city and uh, cyberpunk is a city that's, it's all about, well, cyberpunk is that style, uh, body modification with um, high tech equipment, just like literally fused into your your body. And he's a kid with with nothing to lose. And he becomes an edge runner, which in this world is like a, an outlaw, like a mercenary outlaw, or uh, they are also called, cyberpunk so i'm trying to think what what to say it, it's it's very good and it's one of those that the main character his his journey his motivations for doing what he does is for me i, I found it quite relatable like i understood why he was doing what he's doing on on one hand i, I understood but another i was like like dude you just need to chill but i understand why you're not um even though it's taking you to a dark place and it's just interesting to see that that world like i said i haven't played the game yet but uh, seeing it in that medium was pretty cool, and then there was a point in the story where it just it just got serious, and and I, I like when a show does that, just like things just turn, and what you thought you knew you don't, uh, and it just escalated from there. So really cool show, and because I'm uh, often late to the party, well I was pretty early on on Cyberpunk relatively for me, but I also am watching Squid Games, which um you know back in when when did that come out? Twenty twenty. Or 20, 2021? 2021? Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, I'm I'm here. It's 2023, uh, and I'm working my <laughs> way through it. So, yeah, that's what I like to say. So, how are yeah. you finding it? Yeah, you know what? I so because I part of the reason why I didn't watch it first first time around is that 
it got a lot of hype, like a lot of hype. And sometimes mm. that puts me off. And that's a me thing. It just, just sometimes that's how I respond. I'm like, it, it can't be that good. And sometimes I find like hype kind of hides like a uh, lack of substance sometimes. Mm. Um, but I would say for me, there's there's a lot of substance here. And I, I was surprised that the, what the show reveals about human nature yeah. is very interesting to me and how the different characters respond. And it also, so it's about, actually, I'm not even going to, because I feel I didn't know a whole lot about it going into it and i feel that's a good uh, that's a good way to go into it because you then the stuff that happens is like quite shocking so i'll leave it at that but people get drafted into a game let's just say that and it has uh, big consequences and stakes if you if you don't succeed but yeah what it says about human nature just the way people respond to what people will do for money how people will try and preserve their own life at the over others um how people value like gender roles even are in there. The main character is quite interesting. I haven't finished the first season yet. I'm thinking like, I might be on the last episode or last couple, but the main character is kind of like, I don't know, he's just a waste. <laughs> he's, just, he's just he's just a waste of a guy, but he's quite lovable. So he, he has these redeeming characteristics and I feel they're kind of, his character arc is sort of like somewhat of a redemption, but then, yeah, he's doing some, every, everyone's doing some some bad things in in this and it's just, it's very fascinating for me to see like how different characters react to this very extreme, admittedly extreme, but relatable thing when there's there's money on the end of uh, on the end of the line. So I'm enjoying it. Oh, I didn't finish it, but okay. Where did you stop? Um, I feel like one or two episodes from the end. Okay, all right. You're probably that's where I am now. I think. So why, why didn't you finish? Yeah. Albums? What's <laughs> Do you know what? There's a lot of things in the real world that diminish my hope for my yeah yeah. <laughs> I can, I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> and I'm very easily affected by by things. Uh, so when things are too dark, I I can't I can't cope. And I feel like near the end, it gets to like my breaking point. Where up until then, like it was like quite. I could watch it from like a fictional viewpoint. And then it gets to a point where I'm like, oh, no, this is, no, I can't eat, I can't take no more. It's, I can just see it in reality too much. Yeah, yeah. And and especially like the last episode I watched, there was a, they brought in the element of like class yeah. division. And it's like, oh yeah, this, this, this feels, <laughs> yeah, this feels very real. Yeah. It got just a little bit too easy to link it to reality for me. Mm. And yeah, I'm like need to watch wholesome football show <laughs> yeah yeah i might have ted lasso on <laughs> just queued up just ready when i finish this show and just get some hope in humanity because wow uh, but it's good i i i like the, the format and, and everything and yeah it's um so we'll see we'll see how that how that ends <laughs> so that has been our bumper stories we've been enjoying we've been away for a while so uh, we had a lot to catch up on but uh, those are the stories that we've been enjoying, of your Tazzy and Squid Games uh, not enjoying. Now let's get to our main story discussion. Today we are gathered to talk about Whiplash, the 2014 psychological drama written and directed by Damien Giselle and starring Miles Teller, J.K. Simmons, Paul Reiser and Melissa Bedouard. So spoiler alert, 
We're now going to get into all the spoilery details that we have time for in this story. I will do a recap of the story, but first, let's get everyone's quick takes and general impressions. Uh, we'll start with our guests. Uh, Lau, what did you think of this story that you've seen before, right? I've seen it twice, and I actually own it for good reason. This is yep. just such a brilliant film. I try to play guitar from time to time. So yeah. uh, I mean, you actually can play, though. Yeah, I can play a bit. And um, I do like, so I like music, obviously. And, and although um, I don't play the drums, I would have loved to learn the drums uh, growing up. You know, that being like kind of the main sort of instrument of this film. Uh, it was really amazing just to see the technical ability of, uh, of Miles Teller. Um, I understand he really did play uh, in, in this film, which was even more amazing. And then obviously layered on top of that, just everything that happens. So yeah, it's just, one of my favorite films, to be honest, and I tend to stay away from my favorite films. I like to watch them every like ten years or so. <laughs> Not okay. giving my age away. Yeah, I was going to say you <laughs> well, but you know, because I don't like rinsing stuff out, you know, which is what I would do if I was still a kid. I'd probably watch this like ten million times, but these days I like to give it a bit of time to sit. Okay, that's a thumbs up from from Lau uh, Dylan. How do you feel about this story? Well, I guess similar to Lau, I've had like a very musical upbringing. Like um, I played piano up until I was maybe like 16, 17, something like that. Oh, so nice. Just sort of even the, like the regime of just practicing and practicing. Uh, obviously nowhere near as intense as how <laughs> this film, but um, just that element alone um, is something that I can sort of connect with in, in this film. And there's, there's a whole bunch of things I do connect with in this film, which we'll get on, get on into, but... To put it straight up, I think Whiplash is a straight up masterpiece. I it is one of my favorite films ever. I think like the first time I saw this, I was absolutely blown away, and I and I still am today. Unlike Lao, as one of my favorite films, I watch this at least once a year. It's a film <laughs> I know like the back of my hand, which is why I'm super excited to get into the discussion and see what you guys think because I have an inkling that I don't know. Maybe there are some conflicting opinions here, which is uh, which is great. But yeah, I I absolutely love this film. Every every single bit of this film, I is one of my favorite films ever. And uh, yeah, that's my general consensus on Whiplash. I like it. All right. Um, yeah, this is going to be a good discussion. So Tazzy, and I'm I'm yeah I'm curious to know what Tazzy thinks about this film. So. I feel like I need to start with this isn't one of my favorite films. I only watched it, <laughs> watched it for the first time on uh, a couple of days ago. If it was my favorite film, I would watch it frequently, but it is not. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, my opinion on it, I feel like I needed, I should have watched it twice if I'd given myself adequate time between the first watching uh, and the podcast, I, I feel like I would have watched it again because I don't feel like I fully understand it. I'm also not like a music person. I don't play an instrument. Though. I have a guitar that I've been trying to learn to play for like 10 years. No, I've just started like, I restart trying to learn every two years. Oh, <laughs> I have not progressed much maybe you need terence fletcher <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just haven't found our teacher <laughs> and no thank you um, <laughs> and 
I feel like this is a film that having an understand, a better understanding of music is very helpful for understanding the film. It's just very artsy. That's not to say it's a bad film, but like I wouldn't really, it wouldn't be one that I'm like, oh yeah, I really want to watch Whiplash. I feel like once in terms of like for my own film watching is enough for the podcast. I wish I'd watched it twice. If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I so I I thought you wouldn't like it, but not for the reason that you said. Really? Um, Why did you think I wouldn't like it? Not that you or what it kind of stands for. Oh, okay. Um, and and this is why I said I might be projecting as well when I said that before. I mean, recording. yeah, I don't necessarily like what it stands for, but also like a not my story type thing. Yeah, yeah. And I can appreciate that it's a good story. And it's also like a story of like, it's a very similar story of like what real people have experienced. Mm. So therefore, like, I don't judge it in that kind of way that's like, oh my God, I hate that it exists. No, no, I didn't think you'd go there. Yeah. But like, yeah, I, you know, people go through everyone different learning ways to learn. (laughs) Yeah, but... if that was my kid <laughs> yeah yeah that's basically it that's it was you've hit it it's it's not your way to learn and i i thought that's what your your conflict would be um with this but like i said i'm kind of projecting because my take so i thought it was an amazing film and i was i was gripped from the beginning i kind of i had awareness of this and i'd always heard it in the context of it's a really good film but i just didn't know like properly but um recently i came across i think i was i was watching some video about storytelling and something and started talking about whiplash references and i thought right, let me stop because i haven't seen it but what i did hear in that video just made me think this would be an interesting discussion so watched it i agree with Lau and dylan i think it's a great film i'm not musical i've tried to play piano a couple of times kind of half-heartedly still got it somewhere in, in some cupboard or something like that i might try again uh someday uh, i wish i could so i don't really have a full appreciation of the music to me and we'll maybe touch on this a bit it, it had um, more in, in, in line with a sports story <laughs> for me. But I just appreciated that. Uh, the bit I was conflicted on, and we'll talk about this, is 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 the means, <laughs> the means at which greatness, uh, you achieve greatness. And I think that's something, that's one of the, the themes that we'll, we'll kind of get into. And I, I kind of, I wrestled with, with it because on, on one hand, I'm like, mm, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's where you need to go. But then on the other hand, I'm like, uh, he does... There is some like abuse and stuff in here. So yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll see where I land by the end of this episode. Um, so let me do a recap of the story and then we will get into it. So this is a story that takes us to the prestigious Schaefer Conservatory in New York. Andrew Neiman is a first year student and jazz drummer who hopes to become one of the greats like jazz drummer Buddy Rich. Conductor Terence Fletcher soon recruits him to play in the studio ensemble band as an alternate for core drummer Carl Tenner. Andrew quickly discovers that Fletcher is relentlessly strict and emotionally abusive to his students, slapping and berating Andrew for failing to keep tempo during the rehearsal of Hank Levy's Whiplash. Andrew intensifies his drumming practice, determined to impress Fletcher, but at his first jazz competition, Andrew misplaces Tanner's sheet music. Since Tanner cannot play without sheets, Andrew replaces him for the next set, and after a successful performance, Fletcher promotes Andrew to the core drummer. However, Andrew is taken aback when Fletcher abruptly gives the position to Ryan Connolly, 
a drummer from a lower level ensemble. Andrew's relationship with his family deteriorates in the meantime and he breaks up with his girlfriend Nicole to focus on his ambitions. Uh, she has none apparently. After a grueling five-hour practice session with Tanner and Connolly on Caravan, Andrew earns back the core position. And on his way to his next competition, Andrew's bus breaks down. He rents a car, but is hit by a truck traveling back to retrieve his sticks. He calls from the wreckage and runs to the theater in time to play. But heavily injured, he struggles and Fletcher stops the performance to dismiss him from the band. Enraged, Andrew attacks Fletcher on stage, but is pulled away by security and expelled from Schaefer. At his father's request, Andrew meets a lawyer representing the parents of a former student of Fletcher's who hung himself due to Fletcher's abuse. Andrew eventually agrees to testify anonymously, leading Schaefer to terminate Fletcher. Andrew soon abandons drumming. Months later, Andrew comes across Fletcher playing the piano at a jazz club. Fletcher argues that his methods were harsh but necessary to motivate his students to become great. He invites Andrew to perform with his bands at the JVC Jazz Festival, telling him that the songs will be played were the same ones played by the studio band. Andrew tries to invite Nicole back to the performance but finds out she's in a new relationship. On stage at JVC, Fletcher reveals that he knows Andrew testified against him. As revenge, Fletcher leads the band into a song Andrew doesn't know and after a disastrous performance, Andrew walks off stage humiliated, but he returns and cuts off Fletcher by playing the intro to Caravan, cueing the band himself. Initially angered, Fletcher resumes conducting. As the piece finishes, Andrew conducts. Andrew continues into an extended, unexpected solo. Impressed, Fletcher nods approval before cueing the finale. The end. So, you know what is most impressive or maybe oh it's very impressive uh anyways that as i understand this was damien chazelle's first mm. directing gig yep wow <laughs> that is uh that's quite a performance for your your first gig and he was only was he's in, in his 20s or something when he mm. when he did when this, he did this um, yeah. so yeah no it's amazing i always like hearing that stuff like behind the scenes and so and also so this was inspired by his experiences as a, as a drummer in high school so he said that we would send and i quote we would send the script uh, to someone who wasn't a musician and they would be horrified by their behavior then we sent it to one of the jazz drummers at lincoln center and his reaction was well yeah that's what it takes which is <laughs> something that kind of crossed my mind as i was watching it and like uh, it was mentioned, uh, sort of the quality of the film, it did it won people some Oscars. So J.K. Simmons got Best Actor for Supporting Role, uh, got an Oscar for that, got an Oscar for Film Editing and uh, Editor Tim Cross and Sound Mixing, and also won BAFTAs for the same category. Uh, so my first question is like, are you, anyone can jump in, uh, what impressed you most about this film from from a first-time director? I think like, just from the first shot alone, the opening shot of the film, it's like a slow pan into Andrew practicing. And usually with films, right? Like you're kind of expecting it to cut, but the fact that the camera is just slowly going on, going in on the character and you're slowly progressing towards him. Like when I first saw that, I knew I was watching something special. Like I, I knew I was watching something different and I knew I was mm. sort of in good hands. Right. And even from that first moment, from the first moment. Right. Like, and uh, the thing about Damien Chazelle, he's, he's become one of my favorite directors is that like with Whiplash, he establishes 
the film's themes and his vision for the film like very early on you know and of, of course those themes like it's about dedication it's about desire it's about the pursuit but more importantly the cost the trials and sort of tribulations of greatness and protecting your passion and i think that a lot of the time with films you can tell directors are just making a film just for the sake of making a film whereas this film feels almost very personal to to him and like that's something that you can instantly recognize with whiplash like there are loads of things i could talk about when it comes to the uh, directing of this film from damon chazelle like the even the opening shot like the, the shot is slowly panning in then like it cuts and it's fletcher there so in a lot of ways you can interpret it as the camera is fletcher the camera is a character in itself right the clothing choices for example in the very first shot you see andrew wearing like a like a white t-shirt in the in the finale what's he wearing he's wearing black he's wearing a black shirt so there's like that there's a whole character within the design of the clothing itself like it's just small things like this that add so much more depth to this film and it's like this is why i love watching the film so like over and over again yeah it still impresses me to to this day like the variation in filmmaking that damon chazelle brings like from handheld sequences to long takes to just even shot reverse shot two people sitting down and talking like the scene where fletcher and miles uh not miles sorry andrew are uh just talking in in the bar after you know he's been expelled and it's just like gripping filmmaking and there's so much variation you're never bored the visuals of the film as well like just how the, how the film is shot the colors used so for example like the film is very gloomy and green there's a lot of mm. like murky greens so for example when you look at like new york right it's not depicted how it's not glamorized like a lot of other films it's it's in a it's painted in a very sort of like almost ugly kind of kind of way even in the, like andrew's apartment and this and that like anything that isn't drumming is sort of presented in this kind of way but anything that is drumming whenever he's in front of a drum kit it's sort of presented in these like lush golds and browns like so even there's like the themes are integrated within the visual language of the film which i think is incredible um i think also like damien chazelle he wrote the film i think the dialogue is incredible there's so many memorable lines from the films i don't even know where to start (laughs) we'll pick some of them out yeah but yeah just just overall i think like this has to be one of the best directorial debuts maybe my favorite directorial directorial debut ever and i know that you know, originally it was a short, and that's what they sort of used to 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 gain uh, a larger yeah. budget and uh, uh, eventually shoot the film. But like, I mean, like the su- the success of the film speaks for its- speaks for itself. And like, Damon Chazelle, how he's pro- progressed as a director from Whiplash to La La Land to First Man to now Babylon. Yeah, he's he's for me, he's like one of my favorite directors. And I mean, that all started with um with Whiplash. So yeah, that's that's my that's my take on the directing. No, it's good. It's it's uh yeah. It's well. It's good to have someone who understands film at that, that level. We can explain other things that because I I get story, but not necessarily like filmmaking and, and directing. So that's a good breakdown. I think for me, one of the most impressive things actually was was the ending because uh, we'll, oh, yeah. we'll talk about the ending. But just when it got to the ending and that solo and everything, mm-hmm. I got to a point where I was like, I was watching. I was like, they should end the film right now. There's nothing more to say. I get everything. They need to end this right now, and then they ended it. I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah." This guy, this guy knows what he's doing because um, that is just the moment where you needed to end it. No, nothing needed to be added after that. 
Yeah, uh, doesn't and welcome. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, when it comes to the narrative, this, as I mentioned, I I found, and I'm obviously sports biased, but um, just felt this was a story that did have more in common with a sports drama. So you have the mm. the ups and downs of the the plays. In this case, the, the plays are the songs and uh, the songs that are trying to do. And then you've got the team, the ensemble with the, the coach, uh, Fletcher. And then this whole playing comes at a cost. You've got the physical, the mental cost, literal blood, sweat, uh, and tears. And yeah, just like that, felt that that, that arc had more in kin with a, a sports drama. I don't know if that was just, probably just me, but yeah, if no, anyone else picked that for sure. up. No, yeah, I, I'd agree. It also helps that like drumming is probably the most sort of physical of instruments to, to, mm. to play, I'd, I'd say. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of sort of, even though it's, you know, a band and musicians, there's a lot of physicality that comes with this film. Like it's a very, it's big in that aspect, I, I feel. So mm. yeah. And I felt like the the narrative itself was, was quite simple. I mean, like what happens is quite simple. And and uh, the themes were quite clear on a very mm. surface level. I don't mean that as a as a bad thing. It's just they were very clear on the surface, and and obviously it, it cut quite deep to the point of like the the wardrobe and everything, as Dylan pointed out. But I like that. I appreciate that because when so like we do workshops, we'll do workshops with like comic storytelling workshops. So mm. uh, we'll be with like young people, sometimes as young as uh, seven. I mean, a lot of the messages go over the head, but still, um, but like teenage and. Uh, so people in twenties as well, and uh, one of the things I always try and get across is having like clear themes, like what is your story about, and and your story should should say something. You should explore that through the characters, and I feel that this story does that so well. And one of the things that it sets up very early on is that that thematic question, like is is the cost of greatness worth it? Because Andrew almost they reminded me of um reminded me of one piece actually where uh for those that have seen one piece well i mean you only need to see the first episode where luffy the main character there just declares his goal i'm going to be king of the pirates and uh maybe not exactly like that but here andrew's goal is clear like he wants to be one of the greats not good not very good yeah one of the greats but then he's also in this is this normal life and he kind of can't have both and this is one of the reasons why, like Tazzy, I, I felt from your perspective, how what did you feel about that that conflict and that thread in the story? Um, I think that was probably one of like my like the key things of it that I really connected to, I guess. And the one thing that I really fully understood mm. um and helped me to like connect with the story and like understand it more without like understanding what was going on musically. And I think it was the point where he brutally dumps his girlfriend. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm there like, yeah, but I get his point. <laughs> I mean, he does lay like, out pretty clearly. I'm like, maybe he should have given her the choice of if she wanted to be there on that journey. Mm. But I also get that, like, I am going to fully be committed to my greatness. Uh, <laughs> So there's not going to be much time for you. <laughs> no, yeah, no, yeah, you made that clear. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> you get nothing. And and I I respect that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I respect that he knows what he wants and <laughs> that 
he, he understood that like it was a brutal dumping but at least he put his cards on the table <laughs> um but yeah then I was like I under at, the, at that point I was like I understand the story and I understand that character yeah I mean I don't think there's anything wrong with uh like strong ambition when you're not hurting other people like in the way of like I mean that I'm not talking about like dumping his girlfriend yeah she got hurt but like that's not that's not the kind of hurting that I'm saying you can't do. Like, I think that's yeah. fine because I set a boundary. Could have done it in a nicer way. way oh, but, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but like, you know, I, there's nothing wrong with that kind of level of ambition. For him, at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it works. It works. <laughs> and yeah, I was like, okay, cool. I can, I, I was definitely, my interest was definitely peaked at that specific point. I understood the character a lot better when I realized like, no, this is like, because it kind of, there's like the dinner where yeah when they go for the oh no the family dinner sorry oh Um, oh, yeah family dinner where they're discussing like what greatness is and whatever and it was like you know or just what success is what success is yeah um and the two the other two like cousins or yeah i think cousins and you know they sort of like quite a typical american story at least of you know got a football scholarship and Mm. oh well big big time and i was like they're like yeah you you have your success <laughs> your greatness it's like no one understands you i understand you <laughs> but yeah i feel like the one thing that bugged me about his character was that he had his idea of success but then like put down other people's idea of success ah uh, okay which is like yeah his view, his view of success was the only success worth anything yeah and i'm like well no you gotta have other people having success because like otherwise we don't have doctors or (laughs) Hmm. like the world just wouldn't function if everyone's idea of success was the exact same (laughs) (laughs) but i I like that though i like the fact that andrew neiman he's not you know he's not exactly likable um which i think makes him somewhat realistic like anyone sort of who has like a passion like that and has a drive like that that there's an arrogance to them that just you know you 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 can see from just just the way they they speak and like that's like i feel like that's that's a very true depiction of someone like that like uh, in the, in that situation as well and like this film could have you know easily had a protagonist that had you know the same goals but you know written as this almost like perfect person but that that's far from what Andrew is and I think I think that's great like it makes his mm. the whole descent into madness so compelling and just yeah like he is he's a metaphor for sort of any artist or anyone with a passion so mm. yeah and that, and that dinner scene with with his family like it it, it, it sums his um you know his yeah his opposing view, views to, to his family yeah. very well and that separation there and yeah I think I think it's great yeah yeah I don't I don't think that it makes it a bad makes yeah. him a bad character for the film which bugged me and also he would have still been an arrogant uh trying to think of an arrogant human being um (laughs) even if he understood that his version of success is the only version of success yeah Yeah. (laughs) okay interesting thing about that because like if terence fletcher was not in this film then i'm not sure that the audience would be rooting for andrew Mm. yeah 
well, yeah, because he'd be the worst person, wouldn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. it's like Terence is that bad. That <laughs> he actually kind of gets you rooting for Andrew. Andrew, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's like also his the impact that he has on him. Like at the start of the film, mm. he's he's like you can you you kind of like him. Like I'm talking about Andrew, but you you kind of like him. You kind of feel sorry for him here and there. But like as soon as sort of Fletcher gets involved in his life and they sort of have this kind of symbiotic relationship, the mm. two of them. Like how that affects Andrew and how he is yeah. around other people. What he becomes. As, what exactly. he becomes exactly is you know so, so, something that is quite a bit different from you know where we saw him at the start. So um, yeah, mm. I don't. Yeah, I think without Fletcher, he wouldn't have necessarily evolved in that way. Kind of <laughs> like a Pokemon, right? That if you give them a Moonstone, like certain Pokemon, depending on what stone you give them, depends on how they transform. <laughs> Yeah. Can you imagine Fletcher like... as a Pokemon trainer? It's like <laughs> you know, not my tempo. Ah, just just okay. nah, it's not my not my tempo. Pikachu, sorry. There's just so again. much happening in this film though. Like with there the, is with that interaction. It's like um it's like it's like you're Batman and Joker. Mm. It's like you're mm. um Give me a few more, man. You, you know what I'm talking about here. You know, you're Superman <laughs> yeah. and, and Lex Luthor. It's, it's got that, you know, Naruto Sasuke kind of thing. <laughs> There's going to be a showdown. Harlequin Joker. Yeah, do you know what I mean? But, <laughs> wait, would, that, would that really count? I think the um, influence that the Joker has on yeah, Harlequin. Yeah. Well, there's that actually. Yeah, I'll give you that. I haven't watched the films, but I'm familiar with the with that relationship. So yeah, yeah. and you kind of you're compelled to see where it goes because of this dynamic between these two characters. And yeah. what's interesting about the, as you mentioned, the Harlequin joke is like, that's actually quite apt because Fletcher it's... and Andrew, they're on the same side. They, mm. They're not, they're not necessarily opposed or as opposed as like, say, cause Batman Joker, is, that's all. They are on chaos. the opposite. Yeah. And yeah, they're, they're the opposite, opposite sides. sides. But yeah, the Harlequin and Joker are on the same team. They're on the same size, same and, side. And yeah, the the person that's supposed to be it, the the leadership role is the abusive. Abusive, person. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what's so great about this, where I think back to like I mentioned the workshops and stuff. Well, I'll, I'll sort of break down like we'll do characters, and then we'll talk about uh, like just simple middle, uh, beginning, middle, and end, like Act One, Act Two, Act Three. And here you've got it like so clearly you've got like i mentioned the so you set up the question of the thematic question is the cost of great enough worth it and then act two is where you get typically you get your wins and losses and here you you get that you get like a series of wins and losses and then the stakes get bigger and bigger each time and there's more tension as andrew kind of moves closer to the goal but then fails whatever fails mean for this story tries again fails and it just gets bigger and it's just it's so well done like all the, the storytelling pieces are, are there it just and it just added all this tension on this emotional drama to the point where it builds up to where he he crashes <laughs> like he literally crashes or he he gets run into and mm. that's kind of like that that all is lost moment because his that's his big moment and he's like no i'm, I'm coming i'm there <laughs> you know the bus broke down i'm there i'm there i'm gonna rent a car oh no i forgot the sticks let me go back and he's just on the phone while driving which he shouldn't do but uh you know he needs to needs to get to the show and then yeah the, the car just hits him and he continues and that's when like i mean there's he's bit, had a lot of abuse from fletcher by this point but that's the point of well where it's like wow this is this is too much you've just been hit 
in a <laughs> traffic accident and you're getting up and you're trying to play that's that and that's where because i'm watching it, it's an all the way i'm like fletcher obviously does some bad stuff but on the other hand i'm like well is that what you need to do to bring out the greatness which is what he argues but then when it gets to that that particular scene it's like ah that's 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 not a good place to be <laughs> right yeah. to get to that and that's my i just like ongoing conflict with this film of this is maybe this is what you need to get to greatness and again i'm not talking about like good or very good like like greatness like mm. i remember early in the pandemic watching the the michael Do- jordan documentary the last dance and yeah. Uh, I mean, Lau, we had this conversation with uh, uh, one of our friends and just saying, like, you watch that and, and Michael Jordan doesn't come across as a nice person. But, you know, can you be a nice person and get to that <laughs> get to that level? Can you, can you be nice and be in Terence Fletcher's position of bringing out greatness in others? And I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not sure if you, you can or maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. I have to disagree with you. I think you can, but uh... <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah, <laughs> I, I'd like to think I'm wrong. But then watching this film, I'm like, especially in later on when he explains like his methods and other people, and it's like maybe, maybe he's right. <laughs> maybe it's just what you gotta do. It's interesting because it's like um, it presents a picture of one route yeah, to the destiny. And I think that's the, the the interesting thing about it, because you you kind of have to just deal with that question, don't you? Like, is this the, you know do the ends justify the by the means? Yeah, no, that is the question I had. <laughs> do the ends justify the means? Like, I also think it goes back to like the point of uh, when we were talking about the overall feelings of like everyone has a different learning style, mm. and I feel like for this character, yeah, like that was the way to greatness but i think everyone's path to greatness is different Different. and there's definitely people who like whose greatness isn't forged in the fires of hell but in the i don't know sunshine of (laughs) heaven (laughs) i don't know what the opposite is (laughs) but that is a much i feel like the concept of not having to go through the 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 pits of the fire fire hell is like a really hard concept for humans to fathom because we're like inherently quite negative (laughs) (laughs) and i think it's a lot harder to go the other way because of human perception this is getting really deep (laughs) 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 this is where i thought this was gonna go (laughs) but like Here's the thing, like what we actually see, I think generally, is that like we, we kind of indulge on what we'll, what I'll call like this negative feedback loop. And it just kind of feeds into our perceptions of what like is possible, what life is about, etc. So we, we are quite used to this idea of, yeah, bad things happen and, you know, and, and more bad things will happen and people kind of maybe tell their story i went through some tough times but here i am today so everyone else kind of buys into that story but mm-hmm. like on the flip side you do have the positive feedback loop it's just not very common and and actually in positive feedback loops you end up creating well you end up with multiplication uh, exponential multiplication so things end up blowing up but that's when everyone kind of puts their hands in 
and and everyone kind of pitches in and and we actually end up with so much more than if it was just one or two of us but that's just not the story that's told because um right now negative sells a lot more so mm. i think it's it's counterintuitive um but maybe i think you might be right tazzy that you know it's it is possible to have greatness but you'd need the right people around you i mean isn't that anime stories with like big on top? <laughs> yeah exactly i also think as well um because like the negative feedback loop is often inflicted by an external force whereas the positive feedback loop it requires you to put the work in and people don't right. like the idea that it's them failing themselves and it's a lot easier to be like oh well i didn't have this really awful thing happen to me that made me greatness so therefore that's why i'm not great rather than being like oh no the reason why i'm not great is because i didn't push myself Right. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to this. I'm gonna come back. So, because I want to talk about the 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 final sequence. So, Act Three, final sequence. So, you got your your Act One, your beginning sets up characters, the uh, the goal. Act Two, your your wins and losses as the character, the protagonist tries to move towards the goal. You get your Dark Knight of the Soul, where after that car incident, he Andrew gives up his dream and takes a regular job. Where I feel like whether you're aware of music or not. As a creative, that's scary because that is the that is failure. That is put away the drums, just regular. I don't know. I think it's like a retail job. But he gets another chance. He gets another chance. And what's interesting is he's he's learned some things, but then he also recommits to the dream. And I feel one of the key scenes in that where, because by this point he's like he's cut his ties with his normal life, his quote unquote normal life. But when he gets the gig with uh, Fletcher. He tries to reconnect with Nicole. He invites her to the gig and then she says, you know, oh, I'll have to check with my boyfriend. And it's like, okay, that's ouch. That. Yeah. <laughs> ouch. It's like, okay, cool. That's uh um it's like, oh, all right, cool, cool, yeah, yeah. Let me know. And then, you know, that's like a, she's moved on. But then I feel he takes that as a oh, I'm all in now. Like I'm this this is it. And then he gets to the the gig and then which I, I thought was a, a great twist where Fletcher's like, I know it's you. I've I've just lured you into this situation to set you up, to make a fool of you, to ruin you for for ruining me. And mm. he is then Andrew is then presented after that initial failure. Um, when he's you know he's he's told a different song, so he's not prepared at all. Completely messes up. He's presented with a a choice between his father and his mentor. And his father, and we'll talk a bit about characters, is is the normal life he represents that just good enough is good enough enjoy where you are whatever all that stuff and fletcher which is hell as <laughs> as tazzy put it but greatness that's where greatness lies apparently and he has that and he comes back for this just uh, just incredible solo sequence what's great about it apart from like musically even though i, I feel like i appreciate it, like 40 percent of what it is because i can't play the drums but uh, so i can't fully appreciate what's being done but it's just fantastic but what's great about it is andrew takes control and up until that point i feel he's because he's kind of trying to get fletcher's approval and he still is but he's always on you know fletcher's time and and we've seen that on on, on his tempo this is like andrew completely takes the reins he's like i'll cue you takes back the power and then fletcher's like admiring that and we see how he responds to that and it's just yeah just the ending like i like i said so 
I mean, I, I guess from the maybe from the musical people can maybe tell us about why this is such a great sequence. <laughs> what makes that sequence so exciting? Because it's ultimately just a guy playing drums on and mm. end the film. But what makes that so exciting to watch? The thing is, I think like a lot of people would actually be surprised as to sort of like the idea that you know if you had like a musical upbringing or you know music really well you might understand the film better and sure there are like moments in the film where yeah like for example like the the first the first scene where Fletcher really sort of shows his true colors to Andrew and literally abuses him physically emotionally yeah. mentally and, and he's you know the the issue is with the tempo is he rushing or is he dragging are you a rusher or are you a dragger <laughs> exactly right when andrew's playing the music you can i've been able to tell like in the specific on the specific takes whether or not he is rushing or dragging right so there, there are things like that then yeah sure like great but i think like even if you can't sort of tell those specifics it's not it's less about the music and more so about the, you know, the, the the relationship that these two have. And like, I think it's really interesting that you, you brought up the choice, Nigel, about yeah. uh, that when, uh, you know, Andrew, he's about, he's walked, he's essentially walked off stage and his dad is there and he's choosing between, like you said, his father or his mentor. And I think throughout the film, as he sort of has the sep- more and more, so he becomes more and more distant with his, you know, with his family. Fletcher, in a weird way, is that kind of paternal figure that he's always sort of seeking approval from. So there's like a part, there's a part of it that is, is it's, it's a really weird and twisted aspect of it. But I think Andrew sort of, not to say that he looks to Fletcher like he's his father or anything, but there is that paternal aspect to it. Yeah, for sure. And um, I think that's really interesting. And I think like, just going back to like how great Fletcher is as a character there's a there's a really good like video essay on YouTube and I'm not sure if you guys have seen it but it's like it's called something like why Terence Fletcher is like one of the most terrifying villains ever and it sort of breaks down the psychological yeah is it like why is evil not 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 so much evil but just more so how he like like his how he manipulates like there's specific scientific psychological methods that he uses to break down i can't i can't remember exactly yeah no i i learned some words he he does like he goes through uh love bombing (laughs) so gives him abuse and then withdrawing yeah and then a new phrase i didn't even know crazy making where he like makes andrew doubt his Mm. own ability and obviously physical assault with that that's uh pretty plain to see in humiliation i was like oh wow this is like (laughs) he's gone through the proper (laughs) abuse abuser playbook oh yeah and even as as something as I'm not sure if anyone has no, like noticed this, and I can't take credit for this. One of my friends, Panwa, who's also he does YouTube as well, and he loves this film as well. But another example of Damon Chazelle's like brilliant directing here is the main character is called Andrew Naiman, right? You pronounce his surname Naiman, but mm. not once does Fletcher call him Naiman. He calls him Neiman, so he mispronounces his name on purpose throughout. And I think that's such a oh. inc- like it's such a clever way of like how that sort of like such a little thing demonstrates like the dynamic throughout the entire film. And just going back to the ending, I like, it's one of my favorite endings ever. I think Whiplash is one of the best edited films that I have certainly ever seen. And that whole ending sequence, the whole drum solo is Tom Cross, the editor, 
just completely firing on all cylinders. Yeah, it was brilliant. I, I, I think it's, yeah, it's one of the greatest endings I've ever seen. I think it makes you feel on top of the world with the, without sort of it being cliched, because I think like this film is anything but cliched. It, like, I know we're talking about, uh, uh, about it being, having similarities with the sports drama and a lot of sports dramas are, you know, cliche and they make you feel good and this and that, but like Whiplash is something different. And yeah, I think the climax of this film is absolutely incredible. And there's the shot just before it sort of cuts where it's a close up of Andrew's eyes and, and Fletcher's eyes. And they both look at, look at each other. And for the first time throughout the whole film, they're in sync, you know, this sort of symbiotic relationship, they're in sync, they're, they're in the same place together. And I think that was such an incredible way to just cut the credits then and there. And yeah, I think I think Whiplash, like, it's as close to perfect as films get for me. I know that's just me, but um, <laughs> yeah. If you guys can tell, I really like this film. I, I was getting that sense, <laughs> getting that sense. <laughs> you know what, though? I don't think you're you're overdoing it on that that last sequence. It really is something. Like, it's a masterclass in, like, show, don't tell. Mm. So much is communicated in that last scene without the words actually being said. And and that's what I really like about it because, I mean, some people might even interpret it slightly differently. Like, um, yeah, on the first watch through, it was almost like you could say Andrews finally met the approval of Fletcher. But yeah, in a way, n- not necessarily. Maybe there's a bit of that in there, there. But at the same time, you know, there's that there's this sense of actually, no, we're now we're, we're now kind of seeing each other eye to eye we're equals we're peers now like i have i've mm. basically achieved the goal and I actually heard someone else say i can't remember which uh, youtube uh video it was otherwise I'd, I'd reference it fully but basically there's this whole idea of there's there's two goals that are trying to be met um for fletcher fletcher's trying to make a, a champion yeah and Agreed. andrew's trying to be a champion and at that moment they both, both achieved their goal, goal. Yes, exactly. And that's the thing, again, with like, is he an antagonist? I guess in a sense he is, but typically protagonist, antagonist, they can't both get what they want because that makes for a a boring story. Mm. But here, they can both get what they want and they do get what they want, but because of the way it's achieved, you get the conflict and everything. But, and even to the point like that, you say with, you know, without dialogue, without talking, it's so much is said. There's a moment where I think the Andrew's symbol loosens and Fletcher like yeah. times it up, and he's like, "You never see him yeah. offer any help like that." But he, but in that moment, he's like, "Oh no, this is this is what I've been. You are the great I've been looking for. You are the guy. He found I'm gonna awesome. support yeah. you in this." I audibly was like, "Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was like, damn, like that's deep." And yeah. I think I just want to add to like because that that last scene, obviously, like I've said, like this film I feel like I need to watch it twice and that I feel like it would be helpful to understand music the the sort of like final scene is like it does that's the point where it's like it doesn't matter what you've understood up until this point um because you will understand this yeah and that was like the one bit where I was like I fully know what's going on like I'm here <laughs> like I, I can comprehend this because it was like pure there was just like a pure understanding just through how how it was conveyed and like you can understand that just that whole whole scene there's something else i want to say but um yeah i just wanted to add on to that yeah and i mean dylan you've you've touched on it a number of times so maybe you can speak to this but 
just the way it was edited to tie into the music with the shots. So you had like those sort of tight close-up shots uh, like on beat, or I assume on beat, maybe we should check with Fletcher <laughs> if it really was. And then, but you had the more drawn out ones and like you talked about the the intro, like the introduction to Andrew. <laughs> A couple of the moments I found quite interesting were when Andrew and Nicole were together. So when Andrew particularly first asked Nicole out, when he he gets to join the ensemble and he's like got more confidence at Ask Her Out and when they go on the, the first date. So like in both cases, there was a moment where it was long, awkward yeah. pauses. And there's a particular moment when they were on the first date and it was clear that, you know, Andrew ambitious, I clear on what I want, Nicole, eh, I don't know. Eh, eh. And there was like distance between them. But there was a moment where when you had, I mean, it doesn't necessarily need to be a date scenario, but I guess that does show it out. But where you have a, a doubt <laughs> over the other person, whatever it might be. And there was like a pause. I think pause, Andrew yeah. asked like, what does she want? Or is there anything that she wants? And she pauses. And usually that's when you end the scene. And then it's like, uh, oh, these two, ooh, are they going to get along? But it held it. And then Nicole gave up more information about what she didn't like about her uh, her school or her college, um, whatever yeah. it might be. And she kept talking. And then it was almost like a, rekindling like the moment was lost and it was like gathered again but the camera held all throughout that awkwardness i don't know how you how did you feel about that and uh well i guess we know how you felt about it but (laughs) uh, break it down for us (laughs) yeah i think i mean like the way just everything works together the editing the directing even the performances just how it all comes together say for example in that scene itself just it sort of goes to like you you know from when you watch it like this isn't gonna it's like this relationship is cursed basically you know you know that they're not they're two people who are very very different he almost there's a like like i said there's that arrogance about him that's almost like looking down on her for for you know her sort of uncertainty with her with her life and you know there are he's like i said he's not the most likable of guys and and you know he's a bit socially awkward and the two have their like awkward moments which is like is completely normal for a lot of dates yeah because especially like first date like when you're just getting to know the person and you don't really understand their world and like there's a song that comes on called when i wake in the in the restaurant in the pizza restaurant and he just like oh, all, yeah. of a sudden, all of a sudden he goes back into jazz mode for a second given like, the detail like yeah the and she's like she's like what huh like she doesn't fully get him right but then they do you know they do uh kindle over something which is like she's she tells him that you know she's not really enjoying her her college experience and she misses home and this and that and then he says yeah me too like he still goes to the movies with his, uh, you know his dad and then the two of them sort of like almost like bond for a moment for a moment there's a shot of her like foot moving more uh, mm. like towards towards his foot and then the scene just cuts so you think like okay cool the, the date actually went all right like it was fine right and then that, that obviously just like leads leads the way to sort of an even bigger sort of uh what a, what is it like the the downward spiral begins and then he has no more time for her and then like the breakup scene happens and and that's that but um like you like you said Nigel like the editing there's so much variation there's um like throughout the, the film and for a film that you know is about in a lot of aspects about the music and about specifically the tempo like the editing you know really reflects that so yeah that's what i think 
no it's, it's very very impressive i i couldn't even claim to understand it all but i just just the effect i'm like it, something impressive is happening here mm. and then you mean you, you talked about uh nicole and uh, andrew's relationship would we'll talk more a bit more about the characters and in particular for me this is like a, a great example of like four corner opposition which is something that uh, I learned about a couple of years ago. Now I can I can't stop seeing it everywhere. Where essentially, if you can like deepen your story by not just having antagonist protagonists, because that runs the risk of having a quite a predictable story. But you have protagonist antagonist, and then you introduce other opponents to the protagonist goal. Mm. And it's done really well here because we have Andrew clearly knows uh, what he wants, got his ambition, knows where he's heading. Even though Andrew and Fletcher both want the same things or same the different parts of the same uh, whole they are he is in opposition if not thematically he is literally in opposition because he's the one he's the conductor he's the one that decides if you're the uh you're taking the spot uh or not he's the one pushing but then what it does is introduce two other characters nicole being one so nicole is part of the the normal life so andrew has this his thought where you know to achieve greatness i must uh, release the trappings of normal life uh, even though at the beginning he's kind of conflicted because he he asks Nicole out he goes on a date and they build a relationship but she doesn't know what she wants at that time which is fine it's not everyone you know people move at different speeds but for him ah that's can't do that <laughs> you gotta know what you want um, and then his dad is a very interesting character is another sort of representation of that that normal life where he is fully content with where he is he's uh, he's just agreeable and is almost agreeable to a fault and what's great about uh, i'm going to talk about character introductions um, in a bit but andrew's dad's introductions when they're at the cinema mm. and someone bumps into andrew's dad uh jim and jim apologizes and that just tells you who who he is and sort of jim believes that greatness the price of greatness is not worth it and that was, that was showing up at a dinner table so you've got andrew you've got Terence Fletcher at one corner, but then you've also got Nicole and Jim sort of in a way, in a sense, the things that Andrew must get beyond if he wants to get to his goal. And that just makes it such an interesting dynamic between them all. Yeah. And also that cinema scene ends on the line from his his dad saying, I don't understand you. And that just in itself just mm. sums up the entire dynamic there and how Andrew is really a one-man band in, in in that sense in his pursuit to greatness obviously Fletcher plays a, a big role in you know that journey but at the end of the day this is his life and his you know his ambitious his ambition his desire so yeah that's um, yeah and then I was also thinking I'll probably direct this to Tazzy and then anyone else can jump in but in if I, I look at that that dynamic and particularly referencing that that family dinner scene as like the creative journey like to just sort of uh, almost typical creative journey and have you i feel like i almost only asked this but have you you seen any of those characters tazzy on like your journey or be or been any of those characters uh, i've definitely seen those characters on my journey like i feel like i was actually talking to someone about this the other day and just about like a relative that i'm just so like i just i really should talk to them but I just really don't want to because I don't want to have those conversations <laughs> right. and just being around friends like I've had a whole friendship group that I like fell out with for other reasons as well but like one of the things that 
I think, well, for me personally, drove a massive wedge was that they were like living normal life mm. and it constantly, there constantly felt like a conflict and like a, just a, them not understanding me at all mm. and having like really, I don't know, just not wanting to be around that because they just do not understand and even if they want to be supportive, it's just so misguided. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're in their reference hard. point. Yeah. yeah. Like and then football, like, scholarship, that kind of thing, that's success. We don't get what you're doing. That's not. That yeah. And even if they're like, I like, yeah, great. Glad you're doing your thing. Oh, wow. Oh, oh, like just not when you're like, oh, this great thing happened. And they're like, okay, cool. And you're like, what do you mean? Okay, cool. This is like <laughs> epic level. And like for you to understand their life and like things that they're doing that you understand that measure of success because it's what we're told and them not understanding or even trying to understand your measurement for success uh, is definitely challenging. And just in general, like even within creative spaces, for me, yeah. like my measurement of success is like very different from what other people pursue, like see as success. Mm -hmm. So I even find that challenge within people that are doing similar things to me. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it, I definitely recognize <laughs> some of the the, the characters uh, to the point of like, even like I think it's Uncle Frank who's like, <laughs> there, there's not understanding and then Uncle Frank's not even trying to understand. <laughs> He's just, <laughs> I'm not even going to make the effort to try to understand what, what you do or why it should matter. The, uh, another thing, actually, just in terms of like character dynamics between Andrew and Fletcher is because what's interesting about Andrew is that he he loses his humanity. I feel along yeah. the way as he tries to get rid of this these ordinary life signs. What's interesting about Fletcher is that he he shows humanity because there are moments where he yeah. he shows he. I think his friend's daughter is mm. he's connecting with mm. her when his I think it was student dies, he he shows some emotion and yeah. No, there he were, lies there about were, it. That's true, actually. He does <laughs> he does <laughs> lie about about that. So maybe Which I, I felt like sorry for him until they were like till they dropped the ball and I was like <gasps> Mm. you have just become pure evil, evil yeah, <laughs> yeah. because before then i was like i had just this little bit of like i don't know like you you're not all bad you're just trying to push them mm. and then yeah when i like when i found out he lied about that I was yeah like, that's nope. true yeah it's no he's all actually but then, just evil yeah like i don't even think he's trying to he's trying to achieve greatness i think he is just evil like i just <laughs> so you think he's just an abuser yeah okay because when he, he was explaining behind, his actions yeah no i think he hides behind he hides that, behind as, that. A, as like an excuse for abuse ah oh, that's interesting i'm conflicted again mm. i do you know what i think what might be happening there is um a situation where you're in too deep you know like he, right, it yeah. seems like this has been his journey for the longest time obviously i've forgotten the name of the student that um unfortunately oh, dies but you know, they they were obviously under his tutelage some years back, and it's like you if you're going to be acting like this for a long time, you end up becoming the thing, yeah. And and you can even lose the reasoning like as to why you're even doing it, and you lose yourself mm. in a way. So I think maybe that's also at play in this situation. Fair point. Yeah, 
Yeah, he did lie about it. Yeah, yeah. But he got results though. So <laughs> he, he achieved his goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, cause yeah. Oof. Uh, okay. Um, and like, I think the difference as well is because Andrew, Andrew gets the choice to continue that journey. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they, I mean, uh, more yeah. of a choice. Yeah. Because he's like removed from the abusive situation, and, and then goes back in. he decides to go back in. Yeah. Like he's very well, very far removed from it, and then it's like, actually, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm going to subject myself to this again. <laughs> More. <laughs> so. The interesting thing about this is not that there would ever be a sequel, but if there were a sequel, I would imagine that Terence Fletcher would probably fall apart. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because I, I think at that point, you've reached the summit. You know, mm. you've, you've done it all. But you look around and actually, you're not what a great guy. That's He has to now live with what he's become what he's done oh yeah to, to get there and i think that that in itself would be an interesting film to see yeah. the he'd have to realize the price that he has paid yeah to achieve that dream but there is that scene where he's speaking to andrew about it and how he says he will never apologize for you know the methods that he has used and like i think i believe him because like at i that, believe like, him as well you know <laughs> yeah like even if you know all's gone to I can't swear, but uh, if everything's you know <laughs> at the end of the world for him, he can look back and he can say that you know he found his his Charlie Parker in in Andrew. Like that was that was what he was trying to do, Re- regardless of whether it was for himself or for, for for whatever reason. Like he he achieved that right, and it's interesting you say like if there was a sequel, I would even like to I'd not like to see. I think that, like I said, I think this is as close to perfect as it gets. I don't think there should be a prequel or sequel or anything, but I, I, I'm very intrigued, intrigued to see what, to, how Terence Fletcher became Terence Fletcher. <laughs> and, you know, sort of the onslaught. Who hurt him. <laughs> yeah. The onslaught of, you know, students he would have had to go through to get where he, where he was. And like, just even at the beginning of the film, like the name that the, the like the name and the, the sort of the reputation that comes with him. You, he's almost presented as this like figure, this wraith that just walks in and around, you know, the Schaefer Conservatory. Like there's the shot of him just sort of patiently sort of listening out the door and like all the students are sort of in so much awe with him. Like how he even achieved that kind of presence, that's something that I think could be really, really interesting. And I, I, I'm surprised we haven't talked about this, but I, J.K. Simmons in this film, man, like honestly... Like one of my favorite performances ever. I've always known J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson from the yeah. right? Like yeah. that's 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 who I, I thought it was the same guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Those are the films I grew up with. And to be honest, I can't imagine anyone else playing that character. But like took a film like Whiplash and he this this role has become just as iconic for me, if not more. I think it's it's one of the best performances of the past decade. I think I think he's absolutely incredible. He commands every scene that he is in. Yeah. Um and he lo- he makes like Miles Teller who I think is so underrated in this film like he like Miles Teller is giving an incredible performance and but but still JK Simmons it's like it's almost as if it's his film, you know. And I think, you know, in the hands of a lesser actor this this character could have maybe gone quite wrong, but like I'm yeah, just Yeah, it could have come that. off as a caricature. Exactly, of, right? Yeah. But you know, with with someone like JK Simmons like I I, I don't know, I, I, I think he's He's yeah, he's incre- absolutely mesmerizing in this film. Yeah, no, I I agree. His brilliant performance, and it it 
you you believe him. I don't mean like a yeah. obviously because he lied, the character lied and everything. I don't mean that. I mean like the actor. You believe, yeah, you believe the actor is this is this person, and you're you're in with that performance. Yeah, the amount of insults that he throws in this film. Obviously, we can't we can't say on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, so innovative. Honestly, <laughs> he's such a terrible, <laughs> yeah, yeah. such a terrible person. But like, oh man. Yeah, the, yeah, the insults actually are impressive. It's very impressive. I think that do you know when they're um, you've got the free free drummers, yeah. like oh, some of them in that. Like I was just like, oh gosh, like oh. they were just taking it. Just... There were some uh, some real uh, interesting. Yeah, even the, the guy who um, oh, because one of my I mean we'll, we'll do the favorites, but uh, one of my favorites. Is where like someone's out of pitch or sort out of tune. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he just, he just absolutely berates this guy, and he leaves, and so casually says, "Oh no, it wasn't even him. It was you." <laughs> but he didn't know, and that's yeah. worse. Yeah. <laughs> like <Yeah>. wow. <laughs> I almost. I'm not gonna lie. I I almost respected him <laughs> for for that because that was just so so well done and so well performed. Yeah. Like, eh, he's got a point. If he didn't know, you know, maybe he shouldn't be there. Yeah, but the, I think like that moment is more so about the characters he wants in his band yes. as opposed to the technicalities of of the band. Because in order to be great, you need to have a certain level of resistance to you. And that one player, you know, he he didn't have that. He I'm sure he thought like I don't understand. Like I I'm not playing out of tune. But the fact that he didn't have, you know the courage to like even bring that up or say say that shows mm. the sort of power dynamic there mm. and and yeah like i'm just <laughs> the other guy um he was just he's just lucky that uh, fletcher just let him off the hook as yeah. well <laughs> but yeah oh, uh is yeah just the character the performances yeah both mars teller and jk simmons are just great and everyone else played their role is great but those mm. two really stood out all right, we'll do themes and like final thoughts and if there's any other kind of bits we miss. But there's, I mean, there's one like clear theme we've, we've spoken about. But so one small thing that I quite liked is just this idea of of studying the greats and knowing your craft. And I like that. And that was a good reminder for me. And I think anyone creative. And again, I was, <laughs> sometimes I watch some of these films, I just link it back to like some of the, the, the workshops or the talks that I do. And I, I, I when both uh, Andrew and, and Fletcher were talking about this drama or, or go and, and listen to this and uh, and you see like scenes where Andrew's like listening to tapes and, uh, and it's great. And and I think back to some of the sessions uh, I do, uh, like I'll do like game design uh, sessions or like Tazzy, we recently did a, the esports and particularly with games because it, it comes up quite a bit where I'll ask some of the students and so we're talking like college students, so like 16 to 18, like, you know, what games do you play? And the same five will come up. So now I've got to the point of where I'll ask people, like, what games do they play? And I'll go, what games do you play except for Call of Duty, FIFA, Roblox, Roblox. Fortnite, and Rocket. GTA? Those oh, are the GTA. five that always come up, like, except those. And I always try and get across to people, like, you want to be in this industry, you have to know more than just the games you like, the one or two games you like playing. And this is a just a good moment to see of, like, they're like, go study the greats, like, understand why these people are great. And I feel like any creative, any aspiring creative, that's a good lesson to take away of, all right, if I want to be in this, it's not just the, the things that I like. It's like, look at what else has been been done. Like, I'm, I mean, I mentioned Saga earlier and 
that's like I'm looking at this. I'm like, wow, this is really good. How can I learn learn from this? And that's the kind of thing that you will do. So I thought that was a good good kind of. I don't know if it's a theme or just something I've picked up. And then obviously the this idea of obsession in pursuit of excellence. So I feel like we've we've spoken about this enough already. But just to add one other bit to it is essentially, are they right? And I, I feel maybe Tazi, I feel you've given a good answer to this, to this question, and the answer is no, or, or not in its in its totality and what's interesting is that andrew has this idea that the the ordinary life is incompatible with greatness and you cannot have both and i not necessarily to this extreme but it's something that or as i've been on my journey just thinking like what's what's the balance um between these things and andrew mentions like some other like dramas buddy rich and uh there was not charlie parker that was it charlie parker, yeah and then i was just as i was putting together the notes there was um, a link i'll put this link in in the show and that's a good breakdown from maxim chernoy uh, i'm probably butchering that name i apologize but i'm going to get a link to that and it's a whole review but there's one piece i'll just quickly read out because he says that it should be said that buddy rich andrew's friend from placards that was up in in the first scene was happily married for 34 years and charlie parker had a wife and two children as well as the story develops and fletcher's obsession becomes almost unbearable to the extent he regards his own efforts as deficient he takes nicole as someone guilty of his own faults a distraction from the most important thing in his life jazz it is true that nicole does not have exaggerated ambitions but it's also true and this is what tazia for you you excellently pointed out earlier it's also true that she liked Andrew and was ready to back him in all his beginnings, but he never gave her the chance. And I feel that's kind of the the downside of this, where you're you become so fixated that you forget that not everyone can have the same goal, but other people can maybe support you uh, in that if you give them the chance. And he never did that, and he never, yeah, kind of got that. But, but I mean, the solo was good, so you know. Well, but yeah, I don't know if anyone wants to add anything to the the themes or. If not, let us know your final thoughts or favorite moments that we've not quite covered. I mean, fav- favorite moments for me, I think like uh, the end, the drum solo at the end, I think that's the, for me, that's the, that's the best scene in the film. And that's saying a lot because the film has so many great scenes. <laughs> I could literally list so many, you know, rushing or dragging, <laughs> the, uh... the, the, the scene trying to get to the, um, the performance and literally getting hit by a car mm. you know even like the dinner scene is such an interesting scene because it's it's away from all the jazz but then it also gives a good sort of representation of how andrew's family life is and you know all those conflicting opinions and then the the drum battle between the the three of them <laughs> they're playing and playing yeah. and playing until their their hands are literally bleeding is a good demonstration of the sort of the physical toll that it takes on these guys. Yeah, I mean, just yeah, I don't, I don't even know where else to go. The whole, the whole film. <laughs> the whole film, just yeah, <laughs> beginning just to me. end. Is, <laughs> um, how about you, Lau? Let's just assume that the the final scene is just the best scene. Yeah. So outside of that, I think it has to be a you rushing or dragging. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's that you know the counting as well, and the slaps, the slaps as well. It's like <laughs> it's just so like shocking. It's funny, but shocking. You know, but, one, two, yeah. three. One, two, three. Again. Now, was I rushing or was I dragging? I don't know. Count yeah. again. 
if my piano teacher was like that with me, I don't know how I would how I would have turned <laughs> I wanna know, like, do did people actually hear Yeah, I couldn't he was I, rushing or driving. Like I was like I, there I was got music playing so and that's all I understood. You 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 can you can hear like when yeah, when he's when he's playing, there is like it's it's quite sometimes it's difficult to tell, but there's like a slight like speed up or slow down with with the takes. But but okay. the um when he's slapping him, that is he him telling him you're rushing because he <laughs> he slaps him before the fourth beat. So he goes one two three, and before he says four, he slaps him. Then he says rushing. That's how he gets the answer. And then he's like, so you do know the difference. And then he, you know, <laughs> so then See the whole it. whole way through that scene, I'm like, I'm hearing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Even with the slapping, I was like, how was he? Qu- I'm so he was counting it, was it? I was like, I do not get. It. But that's just me. Even when I'm like adjusting some sound in a video, I'm like, wait, was it ahead or behind? <laughs> um, <laughs> I have to literally do like it via the visual like sound waves oh wow <laughs> i cannot hear the difference if it's before or after <laughs> uh, what did you take away from it tazzy uh, so in terms of like favorite scene i don't think there's a scene in this that is like great obviously the end of it is like amazing i feel like the question should be what was the most impactful <laughs> scene <laughs> okay yeah yeah yeah, that's a better question. Uh, but mine would have been the the car crash. Because, mm. like, it was very metaphorical for, like, burnout as well. Yeah, you are. Wow. Ooh. And I was like, I feel like <laughs> this... Ooh, That's why that touched me so much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Oh, no, that I makes feel sense. like this whole sequence is a metaphor for how Ooh, my Tazzy, life you, has you been I'm about to sit down. I am sitting down. I don't even know where I am right now. <laughs> Maybe also, you need to also, lay down. Also, the car accident is literally whiplash, right? Yeah, that too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I didn't. Yeah. Well, even the easy, the low hanging. Busy, like, oh look, it's a metaphor, like it's a natural <laughs> metaphor. Yeah, so yeah, that would probably Damn. be. Now the whiplash thing on top of that as well. Yeah, um, <laughs> could have just ended there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, thought it was gonna end shortly after. I did. I was like. <gasps> And then, I mean, I'm glad we got that final scene, but, you know, yeah, but, uh, and then I just feel like there's like a lot of things that sort of cropped up for me watching this, especially being someone that like is quite ambitious and is also currently going through like a bit of a slump, but ultimately always ends back to the, no, I want to achieve something really big and like I literally have a Naruto poster above my desk because nice. <laughs> like I need that like <laughs> that drive you know to be reminded of it because whenever I don't do it I get depressed mm. <laughs> um, so there was like a lot of things that like were brought up with this and like the scene like the relationship with I forget her name but the girl, Nicole Nicole and like 
the question that that whole like thing brings up is like, can you have a relationship and pursue greatness? <laughs> like, it, like that, that question constantly like props up, crops up for just me in my life anyway. And like to watch it, it's like, don't do that to me. Cause I'm, like, yeah, I'm I think you can. Do not wave on my belief. Just giving me evidence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just just uh, add into my argument. <laughs> So yeah, like I, I don't know this. Now I'm starting to really talking about this film. I'm starting to really like it, and I feel like I want to watch it again. <laughs> I can just feel didn't smile. We won. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also maybe not because of because of the ending. Um, not because yeah, well yeah, because it doesn't get everything. So therefore, I do not subscribe to that belief. Can I ask you guys a question? Do you feel happy for Andrew at the end? Yes. That's a good question. Do I feel happy for Andrew? You, mm, you, I absolutely uh, do. Can I, while you're, I'm in a girl, I'm not Like literally. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely do because, I don't know, I feel like it's, oh my God, I'm trying to, I really want to swear. <laughs> um, it's like a massive, what's, no, what's the non <laughs> um, non swearing version of what you. I want to say? Yeah, yeah, a massive screw you to um, Fletcher when he actually yeah, reaches yeah. greatness. Like yeah. I just felt such a like see, <laughs> like because for me, I feel like Fletcher is just. I don't think Fletcher particularly believes that Andrew is the one that's gonna reach greatness. Mm. I feel like Fletcher's doubtful until he reaches it well he writes him off because that's the whole thing he's there to humiliate him to end him yeah and so i feel like that comeback moment of like i like i don't know i feel like as well because the way he done it and the way he was like no i am taking control was like this is not because of you this is because i didn't give up yeah like and i just i love that (laughs) i'm i'm with you yeah and i feel like as well and I feel like Fletcher kind of feels like he's taken some credit from that. But but I feel like they're going to remember Andrew. Like, they're not going to remember, like, the yeah, people yeah. watching are going to remember Andrew. You are, like, That's not a problem for Fletcher. <laughs> I know. Well, I feel that's not like, a problem for him. Um, I feel like it, it might get to him a bit mm. in the future if that was a sequel. Mm. But, <laughs> but it doesn't matter, because at that point... It's interesting you say that, like, um, you don't know if... Uh, or you, th- you think uh, Andrew, um, Fletcher sort of didn't know if Andrew was going to be the one. I think he always knew. Like, I think he always knew Andrew had the potential. Yeah. To, to, I to, think he, to be that. But it's... I think he had the potential, but I didn't like, he wasn't like, oh yeah, you're good. I think especially at that point, he was like, yeah, you're going to give up. You're not, you're not greatness. You had the potential and you're just going to waste it. That's just my, like, but I, yeah, I definitely agree with you. Definitely knew that was the potential, but yeah. yeah. I, I love, like, like I said, the ending is great. Cause it's like up until the moment Fletcher realizes, hang on, this could be like in- incredible. I could like this, this could be like a, a whole, this could be it. Right. Just before he makes like comes up to that realization, they're still going at it. Like he yeah. comes over to the set and he's like, I will gouge your Go, eyes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's so great. Like I just, I, I, like the film is actually a, like a lot funnier than I think most people give it credit for. Yeah. It's a lot of moments that Cause there's hilarious. so much tension. 
But I, I agree. Yeah, I agree with Tazzy. I think because of the control, and I feel like sometimes we, Tazzy, you've mentioned this, we, we select films and they come at certain moments. And I feel just that moment of like, you know what, I'm going to do this and I'll cue you. And that was just one of my favorite lines. Like, I'll cue you. I, like, I've got this. Like, I'm I'm doing this. You follow me. Yeah. And then we'll go do that. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy for him. And I'll, I'll end on, I'll, I'll take a positive, a happy note from Fletcher because one of my f- I feel that the car crash now, as you described it, is actually the most impactful thing for me. But um, one of the other moments for me is where Fletcher is doing his um, his digging into Andrew's life before he completely turns on him. But he says, or he says, yeah, remember, like, you're here for a reason. He goes, like, you're here for a reason. You believe that, right? And Andrew's like, yeah. And then Fletcher goes, say it. I'm here for a reason. And then Fletcher goes, cool. All right, man, have fun. And even though that was all a, a, a sham to pull information and stuff, I feel that's a, yeah, I'm going to remember that. It's like, you're here for a reason. Yeah. Have fun. I remember that. So that is a positive. Beautiful. I'll, I'll wrap that there and, and take something positive from Fletcher's uh, terrible manipulation. So that was our discussion on whiplash very interesting discussion kicking off this new season before we completely back for the episode let's get to this week's storytelling tip each time we do a deep dive on a podcast i like to pull out a storytelling tip for others to consider when making their stories so this is a consideration from someone who also creates stories and likes to learn from the techniques or mistakes of others for this episode I wanted to discuss introducing key characters in your story, something that Whiplash does very effectively. Uh, So introducing characters in a story is a crucial step that sets the tone and defines the relationship between characters. It's essential to make sure that the audience has a clear understanding of each character and their role in the story. Memorable characters also draw in your audience. It gives them a reason to emotionally invest in a story and remember that story long after it ends. Whiplash features two main characters, Andrew Neiman, 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 what's the right word for that? Neyman. Neyman. Andrew Neyman and Terence Fletcher. And their introduction is crucial to establishing the tone and dynamics of the story. Andrew is introduced as a young and ambitious jazz drummer who has a passion for music. We meet him practicing alone, demonstrating his dedication and drive. Terence Fletcher is a charismatic but brutal music instructor who demands nothing but the best from his students. One of his first lines to Andrew is, do you know who I am? and is later seen leading his jazz band in a performance, showing his mastery of music and his confidence as a leader. The introduction of these two characters immediately engages the audience and sets the stage for the intense and emotionally charged journey that follows. A well-written character introduction can make or break a story. It applies in different mediums. So in the popular series Breaking Bad, the character of Walter White is introduced as a mild-mannered high school chemistry teacher. And as the series progresses, the audience learns of his hidden dark side and criminal activity. This slow reveal of Walter's character keeps the audience engaged and invested in the story. In the video game The Last of Us, the character of Joel is introduced as a hardened survivor of a pandemic. The introduction of Joel sets the tone for the gritty and realistic world of the game or the series and gives the player a clear understanding of his motivations and personality. 
Anime is another medium that often fe features memorable character introductions. And one example is in Full Metal Alchemist, or at least Brotherhood, because I haven't seen another one. Brothers Edward and Alphonse Elric are introduced as two young alchemists searching for the Philosopher's Stone. This introduction highlights their close relationship as brothers, which is central to the aspect of their character and the story as a whole. So here are some tips to consider when introducing the key characters in your story. Number one is think about their physical appearance. A character's physical appearance can reveal a lot about their personality and background. So we see Fletcher in a well-fitted black t-shirt with which emphasizes his imposing build. This matches his personality and his role in the narrative. Number two, but don't get caught up or too caught up with the physical description. So a character's personality is what will connect them with your audience and that is revealed by their actions and the words they speak. For example, we see Andrew's father apologize when someone bumps into him in the cinema. That tells us all we need to know about his character, particularly when compared to Fletcher. And number three is develop their background. And the character's background is, is a crucial aspect of their introduction as it provides context and helps the audience to understand their motivations and attitudes. A character's background can also help to establish their relationship with other characters in the story. So when Fletcher digs into Andrew's past, we get a sense of the relative mediocrity he's come from and what is driving his ambition over the story as he seeks to escape it. So introducing characters is a crucial step and it helps your audience to understand and connect with the story. Do it well and your story will come to life in a way that stays with the audience long after it ends. And that is the tip for this episode. So if you're creating your own story, let us know what you think jump in our discord or send us an email feedback at myamada.com before we end tazzy let's check in with our guests so yeah we'd love to get some more details on what our guests have been up to and any interesting products or news that they want to share with us so Lau, let's start with you Wow, man, I always always dread this bit because... <laughs> what have you done? I've, I've just been sitting on my butt. And no, I've been getting back into gaming, to be honest, as you know, uh, ever so slowly. But um, yeah, I think I'll be continuing with that. I'd love to say that I'm, I'm streaming now, but I haven't quite figured out the setup. So not quite there yet with uh, <laughs> streaming. And I'm also wondering, do people like watch old games or do they prefer like the latest games i don't know there is an audience for everything i'm just gonna really? throw that one out there yeah in that case do do some people play games like stream and also eat food at the same time maybe that's a niche i could me do. okay <laughs> see everything's been thought of this is the thing but i'm completely different from you so me eating while i play video games is gonna be have a completely different audience from you yeah. eating play video games so it doesn't matter if it's been done before because it's never been done by you. Good shout. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think uh, for the time being, I'm just kind of finding my feet uh, in that world. And uh, hopefully I'll have uh, something more to show for it next time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, for now, I'm just uh, getting into some good books and, um, and shows and games. Uh, well, we'll look forward to watching you uh, eat and play video eat games a sandwich. at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that's two of my favorite things in one is like food and video games. So 
Yeah, I was actually thinking of like, I don't know how interesting people would be in this, but you know, like you've got these uh, games where they haven't been bothered to get like voice actors or it's just been too expensive. So kind of just doing the voices. Yes. For the NPCs. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think that sounds awesome. (laughs) Um, <laughs> we will be watching this space and Lau, you need to be better prepared for this this segment because you know it's coming. <laughs> You've been You're here before. A <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Should I don't want to hear CV. that excuse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want that excuse next time. I want to hear here's my my uh, stream channel and uh, <laughs> where you can watch it. Watch me eating games and two and, references, uh, Lau. <laughs> I do actually have a um a channel. It's it's very dead. So um yeah, it's uh Fleming Flamingo Meshi with a V instead of an F. Okay. And is this on Twitch? This is on YouTube at the moment. On YouTube. Okay. So I've uploaded a few streams of me just messing around with Stadia, but that's about it. Okay, so head over to Lal's YouTube channel and um, maybe put some pressure on it. And actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm saying this very hypocritically at the moment. So. I'll, I'll subscribe to you, Lal. Don't worry. Don't worry about these oh, guys. I'll, I'll oh, thanks. <laughs> um, Dylan, do you want to share with us? Uh, sure. I don't. Know, I don't really know if I'm gonna be much better but i guess i mean i guess i'll give it a go um it's a fine it's fine you can have a little leeway because you're not a complete veteran for the show so yeah no i mean i guess uh, like uh, i run a youtube channel called the um the popcorn podcast where i you know talk about films and make video essays and do reviews and this and that uh i recently launched the podcast segment after having this channel for for two years and calling it the popcorn podcast it's finally now i guess officially a podcast uh and i uh, i launched it um about a week, two weeks ago, um, and the first episode is out, uh, the official first episode ever. So um, yeah, it's just uh, it's a discussion, a conversation, in reaction to the the twenty twenty three Oscar nominations. So it's myself and like three of my other good mates who are also f- filmmakers and film enthusiasts, and it's just like one big discussion on all the sort of nominations. And yeah, uh, it's a it's a fun discussion. So if anyone is interested, please uh, yeah do go over and um, give it a watch, give it a listen, and yeah, I think uh, I think that's that's about it from 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 my side. I think. Yeah, well, glad you're actually launching the podcast side. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, me too. It's been a uh, well done for bringing your homework. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You said it last time. You did it. That's that's. Uh, where's Lao? Lao, take note. No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, <sure. laughs> I feel like we've taken too much energy from the yeah, no. world. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's all good. Um, but no, thank you both for joining us, for spending some time talking about stories. Um, appreciate thank you, you guys. Yeah, cheers. Always a pleasure. Yeah, I appreciate you both. So, uh, and thank you everyone for listening, especially if you made it uh, this far. Well done, you got to the end. Uh, so if you have enjoyed this episode of Story X Story, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating and review wherever you're able to do that because that helps us reach new listeners and fans of story discussion. Uh, you can always, always send direct links as well that also works don't forget to check out our own stories on the maya matter website so we've got a number of titles available which include our latest release serious through the fog and this year we'll have more so mymatter.com forward slash manga um you can join the 
Studio 77 Discord community and check out our incoming Studio 77 membership where we'll have exclusive access to video content, comic content and events uh, and other stuff uh, in there. But yeah, mymatter.com, that's all going to change. There's there's changes, changes are coming. So stay tuned. And you can also look forward to our Do I Look Like a Game Art video game representation campaign, which we are now making a yearly initiative for diversity and inclusion in the video games industry. So we want to empower future generations, letting them know they can be an active part of shaping the future of the video games industry. So if you are listening to this early enough, you can potentially be a part of our photo campaign where we showcase 40 players and makers. And we're going to be doing photo shoots in London, hopefully Manchester. Hopefully by the time you listen to this, we'll have confirmed that. And yeah, get a chance for people to take part. But if not, we'll have a bunch of events, other activities. We're going to be doing this over the year. So hopefully there'll be lots of room to get involved. And the podcast as well. So we release new episodes. We're back. Season five begins today. So we're back. New episodes on Thursdays. And those include creator interviews, video game discussions, and deep dives across stories, uh, and deep dives into stories across pop culture. Uh, so you can always give us a shout directly. Our email address is feedback at myamada.com and our website with links to subscribe is myamada.com forward slash story x story. Uh, that's it. Welcome to season five. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, stay safe. And remember, one of the people on this podcast has been out of tune the whole time. But if the <laughs> others don't know, that's even worse. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Thank you.